All right, it is good to be with everyone today. Uh, I'm Matt Swoboda, one of the executive pastors here. Uh, hey, we're going to be in Psalm 73, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that. But uh, before we dig in, I want to point something out. I was in two coffee shops this week. One was Fainting Goat here in Spring Hill, uh, and two was Mule Town in Columbia. Now, I don't know why we had this like goat-mule battle going on now between Spring Hill and Columbia, but it's happening. Uh, but I was in both, and I saw uh, approximately one million of you all at one of those coffee shops. Uh, but honestly, it encouraged my heart because it was a reminder of, man, how good is it that we get to be a church in two different cities reaching people for Christ? And so can we just take a moment and just welcome everybody from both of our campuses today? Uh, it, is, uh, it should always be humbling that we get to be a part of, of what God is doing. Um, but let's dig in. Uh, you guys know, you know that person where every single thing seems to go their way. You buy 100 raffle tickets. They buy one. They win. You wake up until 5 a.m. at 5 a.m. and you drive into Nashville. You get on the grind. You're trying to make things happen for you and your family. They wake up at 10 a.m. At 10.01, they get an email with the world's most amazing opportunity. Uh, You have kids. You read all the parenting books. You memorized baby-wise. You were ready. And your child was a little nightmare. And the person who doesn't put a thought into it, my baby sleeps 12 hours a night, six weeks. Can we just all have a, a time of confession? We all want to punch those people right in the throat, right? Amen? That is absolutely true. If, uh, if you don't feel like that's true, you're a liar, and we have a whole other thing to deal with. Uh, today, we are, we're continuing our series, Killing What's Killing You, and uh, the theme of this whole series is if we don't kill the sin in us, uh, it will kill us. It will destroy us. Uh, today, we are hitting the sin of envy. And honestly, when we were planning this series and I saw, oh, I'm preaching the Envy Week, uh, there a few things happen. Uh, honestly, my first thought was, I'm not even sure I can tell you the difference between envy and jealousy. So I'm not so sure how this sermon's going to go. Uh, and then I started, uh, you know, reading, studying. Uh, here's what I found, ta- uh, talking to several people throughout the last couple of weeks. Here's what I found. You know, my wife, when I told my wife, she says, I struggle with envy daily. When I talk to dudes, they're like, I haven't thought about envy a moment in my life. Uh, but as we started talking, here's what I found. Women, women know, no, envy is a major battle for me. Men, uh, it is a major battle, uh, but they just don't know it. Um, Kelly Stewart, our missions director here, here at the church, she, she said uh, in our sermon planning, she said, envy is to women what lust is to men. It is the besetting sin. This woman has this and I don't. Uh, Great kids, more friends, invited to more things. It's the besetting sin. Men, we don't don't realize it. I'm I'm not going to say it's an intelligence thing. Maybe it's an awareness thing. Uh, But men, when we got in conversation, we know, no, no. We actually, we deal with envy just as much as women. We're just totally unaware of it. Uh, uh, And this is true in my own life. So uh, you're about to see how petty and broken I am. So uh, this will be fun. Uh, I got a friend, uh, I had a friend call me a couple weeks ago and uh, said, man, uh, I just got a new 65-inch TV and a new Xbox One X to play some Destiny 2. Some of you guys are like, what is he talking about already? And, and you're also thinking, surely my pastor is not envious of a 65-inch television. 
and a new Xbox to play Destiny 2. Let me show you a little something. This is my squad right here. You see this guy? That says Swobes 88. You know what we just did? We conquered a world right there. You guys think I go home on Sundays and pray. I don't do that at all. I go home on Sundays and I get with my squad and we take care of business. That's what we do. Every Sunday night for two hours, okay? Yep, that's my brokenness right there. Uh, I'm still stuck on this 55-inch television. And I have an old Xbox. Doesn't, doesn't uh, stop me from dominating. But when he called me and told me that, you know what my first thought was? My first thought was, how does he get the 65-inch TV in the new Xbox? And I'm stuck on this piece of junk. Envy in my heart for a television and a, a newer Xbox so I can look like this guy. Um, well, listen, so we see it's the besetting sin in women. Men, we don't realize it until your friend gets the 65-inch television. Uh, it's something we struggle with, uh, but it's also it's a struggle we see in the Bible. And so Psalm 73, this is a psalm where the psalmist just comes out and confesses this is what he's wrestling with. So we're going to dig into it, and we're going to see, A, what envy is. We're going to see what does the Bible say that it will do to me. Uh, and we're going to figure out how do we kill this thing in us. So Psalm 73. This is a psalm of Asaph. Uh, we're going to start with the first five verses. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Slipped, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of the world. This is a person who just is seeing the success of, of people around him. And he is struggling with the fact of why is God blessing these people and not me? Uh, so let's, I want to make sure we get a good definition of what envy is so we're on the same page. Greed says, I want more for me. That's what greed is. Greed says, I simply want more for me. Jealousy is, I want what you have. And then envy is, I want what you have and I don't want you to have it. Envy is, I want what you have and I don't want you to have it. Uh, in a sense, it's a heart that says, uh, I feel like I deserve more and better than you. Uh, John Piper, he just says it this way. Envy is a mingling of desire for something and resentment that someone else has it and you don't. That someone else has it and you don't. To say it in a more spiritual way, envy is not wanting for you what God wants for you. If you boil envy down, envy is not wanting for you what God wants for you. So people around you have nicer cars, a nicer house, uh, more up-to-date clothes, and you think, man, uh, that should be me and not them. Or uh, you're secretly happy when something bad happens to that family that just seems uh, to have it all together. Uh, now, you don't want anything catastrophic to happen to them. You know, you're, you're not the devil. Uh, but something just bad enough that makes you feel like I'm in a better place than they are. 
So envy, it's a heart that says, God, you have blessed the wrong person. It's a heart that says, God, you've blessed the wrong person. Instead of blessing me and giving me these things, you have chosen to give it to them. Uh, and that's the same thing. That's what we see the psalmist wrestling with uh, in a few verses down. He says, Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. All in vain have I washed my hands in innocence. He is struggling with that person who seems to have it all. And his heart is, heart is asking, God, why are you favoring these people or this person when I'm the one sitting here trying to please you, trying to live for you, trying to give you all that I have, who I am? Am I doing this in vain? What we need to see is this is every single one of us. Every time uh, the question creeps up into our heart that says, why them, not me? Why them, not me? Why them, God, and not me? Why do they have this blessing and favor and not me? Why is everything going their way and not me? Every time this why them, not me creeps up into our heart, uh, we are struggling with an envy because our heart is saying, God, why are you blessing the wrong person? Uh, so I want, I want to dig in on, on what does the Bible say this will do to us? What happens in us when our hearts cry out that, why them, not me? Uh, we have a perfect picture uh, in the Bible, uh, in the book of Genesis. If you guys know the story of uh, Joseph and his brothers, uh, you know Joseph. Uh, he was, uh, he was uh, one of the brothers. Uh, he had the blessing and the favor of his father. Uh, he had the easy life. He had the good life for sure. God gave Joseph dreams of leading and ruling and all of his brothers bowing before him. What sibling has not wanted that to happen? Uh, Joseph, he gets the coat of many colors, this elaborate uh, just gift from his father. Uh, and his brothers, they grew envious of him to where they, uh, they ended up hating him, uh, to where they sold him into slavery. Now, to be fair, who in here has, uh, who in here uh, hasn't seen your sibling getting blessed like crazy and thought, God, why on earth would you bless them? They are too dumb to know what to do with it. Yeah. All right? Don't raise your hand, especially if you're sitting in here with your sibling. Uh, but to be fair to the brothers, uh, we've all had that. But guys, this is us. We love God, but we allow envy to creep into our hearts when we start believing the lie. And he is making a mistake by blessing this person and not blessing me. This can be your friend who got the promotion at work that you think you should have gotten. Uh, this can be uh, that when your younger sibling gets married and you are stuck in a singleness you don't want to be in. Uh, this can be that when your friend uh, quickly gets pregnant and you're struggling through infertility and your heart naturally cries out to God, that, uh, that should be me, not her. Why her and not me? Uh, two of the most dangerous uh, and, and deadly words in a person's life uh, can be if only. If only that was me and not them. If only I made enough money so my wife could stay home. If only I could look like her. And then you have that one mom who posts the Instagram post uh, that shows what life is really like. And uh, her kids are awful. Her house is a mess. And then you say... If only I was more like her. She is so real. 
No matter what this, if all we have, we come up with a million ways to condemn ourselves. And if only are these dangerous, deadly words in our life. Or if you're like my wife, if only I didn't marry the guy that still likes playing video games. Or if only my kids are the ones that just had the naturally calm demeanor. I'm tired of celebrating their spirit. If only puts us, it puts us in a deadly game of comparison that kills us from the inside. Uh, Proverbs says, it makes the, uh, envy makes the bones rot. Comparison either makes us, every single time, self-righteous or insecure. Uh, but it usually, it usually makes us insecure, and it usually leads us to despair, because we are always comparing our behind-the-scenes with other people's highlight reels. We're always comparing our behind-the-scenes with their highlight reels. Uh, I wrestled through this uh, uh, in a pretty tough way as a, as a young dad. Uh, I, this, I had this if only in my life for about five years of if only I was as good a father as those I see around me. You know, uh, my dad left when I was a young teenager. Uh, it wounded me in a way that it just badly affected uh, my relationship with my kids. Uh, for me, fatherhood, it did not come naturally at all. And, I, and Spring Hill is like the family capital of the world. Uh, and honestly, I felt extremely out, out of place. Uh, it, made me, it made me extremely insecure uh, as a dad. I'd, I, would just, I would have these thoughts of, I simply can't do this right. Uh, I'd see dads at the park with their kids like they were having the best time in their life. And I'm like, when can my kid just be 10 so we can do something that I find uh, to be enjoyable? Uh, I'd see mom post uh, on Facebook and Instagram pictures of their husbands laying on the floor playing with their kids, throwing them up in the air. And, and I, w- I would genuinely just have these thoughts of, man, if only I was a good, as good of a dad as they were. If only I had that kind of relationship with my kids. And then I'd have just this, this, this uh, thought, this envious heart that just said, man, if only there wasn't something wrong with me, my could, kids could have a better life with a better dad. Uh, I remember one night, uh, in all my godliness, uh, I just lost it on my kids. Uh, I just lost it. Uh, it was over something extremely stupid <laughs> that I don't remember. All I remember is I was trying to get them to bed, and it was not going well at all. Uh, and I was angry. I started yelling at them, uh, and I just, I just lost it. To where, thankfully, my gracious wife stepped in, and I'll finish up. And she does. She, she ends up putting in bed. Uh, but uh, at that moment, I went, I laid in bed, and I wept. And all of my insecurities as a father just rushed to the surface. And I felt Satan pointing at me. See, see, you are bad. Good dads don't act like that, and you're going to mess up your kids. And he spoke this lie into my heart that envy had uh, given room for. And this lie in my heart was, and I had this thought laying in my bed that night, this thought of just as my dad thought his life would be better without me, so will my kids. Just as my dad thought his life would be better without me, one day my kids will feel the same thing. Envy will destroy us from the inside by giving room for that kind of thing. 
when we get stuck in the comparison game that I was stuck in, what we find is we can't be satisfied with how God made us and who we are. What we find is we can't celebrate with those we love because we're too busy being envious of who they are and what they have. That we can't just celebrate our kids' accomplishments because someone else is always doing something better. And that we can't just be grateful for our spouse because from the outside, somebody else's spouse always looks better. Whether they make more money or they just seem more loving or whatever, whatever we feel like we're missing from ours, we see it in somebody else's. What we need to see is a lot of times envy is a lot less about what we have and a lot more about who we are. A lot of times we boil envy down to, they have a nicer car and I want it and they shouldn't have it. Envy is a lot less about what we have and a lot more about who we are. This is what what an envious heart is. An envious heart is a heart that isn't satisfied with what God has given to us. An envious heart is a heart that doesn't believe God is being fully good to us. And an envious heart is a heart that believes we deserve better and more than those around us. That we deserve better and more than those around us. Every single sin that we have is rooted in a lie. And those are the lies uh, that our hearts get rooted in uh, when, we, uh, when we have envy in us. It's, man, God is not, he's not fully being good to me. It's, I deserve more and better than what he is choosing to give me. Envy destroys us at our core because it, when our hearts believe those lies, it pulls our hearts away from God and it ends up destroying our relationships with the people around us. Here's what love says. Love says, when you feel good, I feel good. And when you feel bad, I feel bad. That's what love says. When you feel good, I feel good. And when you feel bad, I feel bad. Here's what envy says. When you feel bad, I feel good. And when you feel good, I feel bad. See how envy distort God created us to love him, to love one another? And envy just throws that on its head. It pulls our hearts away from God and destroys our relationship. It turns your entire life into a competition that you're always losing. That we, uh, what we find is we're never relating to one another. We're only competing with one another. Uh, and it's usually, it's usually, it's not people that you don't like and it's not people uh, that you don't care about. Usually, Satan tries to use envy to destroy your closest and best relationships the ones you need the most to make you more like Christ. Uh, a lot of you guys might not know. Uh, Pastor Josh and I, uh, we have been, uh, we've been best friends for about 12 years. Uh, what we have figured out is uh, Satan, during different seasons of our friendship and uh, different seasons of ministry together, uh, Satan has used envy to try uh, to uh, uh, just break down our relationship. Uh, so I'm going to, I got permission from, from Josh to share this because uh, we just want to give you a very real picture of what this will do in relationships when we allow envy to come in and how envy attacks us at our core and what, uh, and what it tries to do uh, to destroy the relationships that we need most. Uh, 
It was about a year ago. Uh, uh, Pastor Josh and I, we were just processing some things together, and uh, we, were, uh, we were on our way to Zaxby's um, to eat, and, and Josh, just, Josh just broke down in the car. Uh, he broke down, uh, uh, just, started, uh, just started crying, uh, and he just admitted. Uh, he admitted some ill thoughts and feelings that he had in him towards me that were birthed out of envy. Uh, he said, uh, this is what he told me. He said, Matt, Satan has used your relational giftedness and wiring to trigger insecurity and envy in me. It said it stoked this insecurity of what if people don't like me and respond to me like the way uh, that I see them do with Matt. And, and he, he confessed. He said, Matt, relationally, you cast a big shadow. And sometimes I struggle with where I stand with people while the entire time I know they love you and they'll go to you in a heartbeat. And he said, what that does in him is it makes him say, man, sometimes I wish God made me more like you. Now, what that does in our relationship, if that, that doesn't just stay hidden. You know what lies that, that starts getting spread in him is, man, maybe I need to distance myself from that. Maybe I need to take active steps to not let him have as much uh, influence and leadership inside the church body. Now, you know what I'm thinking during the entire conversation? What? <laughs> You are envious of me? Are you crazy? I make you insecure. The Patriots are not supposed to be envious of the Cleveland Browns, okay? <laughs> That's all that I knew. Uh, my mind was blown at that moment. Then I realized he's, he's no crazier than I am. That I have, there's the same. When he, right when he said that, I had these things flood into my heart to know, oh, you do the same thing and you have the same thing. And so I had to confess to him. I said, man, I have my own insecurities and my own envy of you that sometimes Satan tries to use to, A, make me make a really bad decision, uh, that, I have these, uh, that I have this thought of, man, I cast a big shadow. I said, you are like Mount Everest, all right? If I cast a shadow, you're casting a shadow of Mount Everest. I go, you are incredibly gifted as a preacher and a leader. Nobody's supposed to have both of those abilities. And you're humble on top of that. So you have the discipline of a 55-year-old with the energy of a 20-year-old. That's not cool. I've joked with Josh. I said, you know, the biggest blessing and curse of my life has been writing your coattails. I said, the biggest blessing is I get to reap all the benefits of how awesome you are. The biggest curse is I'm in the shadow of your awesomeness all the time. You know what it actually does to my heart, though? It bursts in envy. That makes me think, God, why did you make me like me and not more like Josh? Why? Uh, I, I want to be the guy that when I get on stage, people aren't are like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I get it. I get it. All right? Giftedness is different, okay? God made me relational while Josh gets all the preaching. But you know what? Right, that's, that's the way he made it. That's what, that's what he did. You know what that actually does in my heart, though? When I allow that envy to settle in, 
it makes me, it makes me think, man, uh, when, I, when it's, uh, you know, it either comes out in pride or insecurity. When it's pride, it's, man, maybe I should leave, go be a lead pastor to prove I can do that. That would be the absolute worst thing for me. And in insecurity, uh, when it comes out in insecurity, it's, it's, man, I better hide my weaknesses and my faults because Josh is such a good leader. Uh, things are going so well. If I don't show I can keep up, I'm going to get left behind or I'm going to get run over. So I've got to pretend that I've got it a lot more together than I have it. Either way, when we allow envy into our hearts, it will, it will make us start saying, man, why them, not me? And it starts making you ask God, why, why couldn't you make me more like them? And why couldn't you give me the things that you gave them? And that starts pulling us away from him. It starts pulling us away from him. So how do we kill it? How do we, how do we kill the envy in us? Uh, there's one answer, and that's we have to fix our focus. We have to fix our focus. This is what we see in Psalm 73. The psalmist, when he was wrestling with this, when he had this envy, but then he said, but when I thought how to understand this, how does God keep blessing this person and not me, giving this thing to him and not me? How do I understand why God seems to be better to them and not me? It seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I went into the sanctuary of God where I discerned therein. You know what he did? He stopped looking around him and he drew near to God and into his presence. I want you to notice the difference between the psalmist, those first five verses we read, to where what, what is different about him from those first five verses to where he enters the sanctuary of God. So read these last few verses with me. His heart confesses, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all of your works. He fixed his focus and it changed absolutely everything. When we fix our focus, we get out of this comparison game and we start looking up instead of looking out. When we look up, we are reminded by the grace of God and what he's done for us and who he is And it turns our focus away from what we don't have, what we wish we had, what we wish God made us to be. It turns our focus away from that. And it frees us to say, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. The gospel, it gives us a heart that feels the weight and reality of our sins being forgiven. It reminds us I have actually been washed clean, that I have gone from death to life. When we focus on the gospel, when we draw near to him, when we're looking up and not out, 
what happens is envy, it no longer has room to breathe and grow. That the gospel suffocates the envy in our heart by the grace of God. The gospel, it awakens us to this reality that while we are so loved by God that he willingly died for us, we also know we are so marked by sin that Jesus absolutely had to. And that confession, that confession that I am so marked by sin, I have so much in my life that is just filled with sin, that it kills this this, uh, lie in our heart of he isn't being fully good to me because a heart that's experienced the grace of God and has encountered uh, him uh, and sees their own sin in light of his grace, that heart knows anything better than hell is more than I deserve. When we see our sin in light of his grace, we know not only is God being fully good to me, he is being so much better to me than I deserve. He's not just being okay. He is being so much better to me than I deserve. Every single thing I have, everything, uh, every uh, ounce of me of how he has made me, every little thing that he has given me, everything he has chosen not to give me, that is him being fully, fully good to me. And that's what frees our heart to say, yeah, yeah, at times my heart and my flesh may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The gospel frees us to surrender what we cannot keep in order to receive what we cannot lose. It frees us to surrender what we cannot keep in order to receive what we can't lose. The gospel is what tells us, man, for me, it is good to be near God. The solution for us, uh, the solution is not don't envy. Uh, It has to be replaced by something. We have to turn our focus away from others and fix it on something else. That's why if you notice in verse 28, uh, the psalmist is not being passive. He says, no, no, I have made the Lord God my refuge. I have made the Lord God my refuge. He fixed his focus. He stopped looking at everything he felt like was wrong with him, what was wrong with his life, what was wrong with what he didn't have, with what he felt like God should have been doing and wasn't. And he fixed his focus and he says, no, I have made the Lord God my refuge. And guys, when we we focus and seek the Lord in that kind of way, envy gets pulled out of our hearts. It gets pulled out of our hearts and we, it frees us to rejoice in who God is. It frees us to rejoice in what he has done for us. And it frees us to rejoice with the people around us that we don't have a competitive spirit towards them anymore. That we're not so busy comparing, is their life better than mine? We get to rejoice in the good things that God does for them. And they get to rejoice in the good things that God does for us. But that happens when we fix our focus on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, 
who said, I love you so much. A, uh, I called you out before you were even in the womb to make you mine. And I went and bore the cross for the joy that was set before me. And I have given you everything so that every single one of us can say, my heart, my flesh may fail. God is the strength of my heart, and he is my portion forever. Nothing else do I need. I have made the Lord God my refuge. Pray with me, church family. Lord, we are so grateful. Uh, We are so grateful that you you pursue us in our sin, that you you come after us, not not waiting uh, for when we get our lives together, Uh, But when we are filled with envy, that's when Christ died for us. And Lord, I just, my prayer, uh, my prayer for our church today, uh, my prayer is that we will fix our focus on you, that we will be able to walk out of here and our hearts just scream inside of us, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. May our hearts just resting in your grace, And as we draw near to you and make you our refuge, may that just kill the envy inside of us. And when those opportunities for envy come in and our hearts want to say, why them, not me? May we remember the death of Jesus on our behalf and understand the right question is always, why me? Why would God choose me? in such a way? Why would God choose me for adoption as his son or as his daughter? Why would God choose me to wipe away my sins, to wash me clean, to remove my sins as far as the east is from the west? Help our hearts to settle on you and let us worship you in light of that glorious grace that you have given us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.